Please turn in your Bibles this morning. Let's study together. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter number 2. 1 Peter chapter number 2. Please keep your Bibles open and with you this morning. Thank you for your attendance and for your attention to the things of God. 1 Peter chapter number 2. 1 Peter chapter number 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. I want to begin reading here in verse number 1. There are a couple of verses that will stand out to us but have a word in it that is important to our services today in our, our message. Let's begin in verse number 1. The Bible says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes, Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so be, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. To whom coming, as unto a living stone, disallowed, indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Verse 5 will be one of our key verses this morning. You also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. And holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, speaking of Jesus, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. What he means by that is, is that Jesus can be your Savior or your judge. He can be a stepping stone for you or a stumbling block, depending on what you are looking for. A stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Verse 9 also will be our key verse. For you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You'll notice in verse number five, the phrase is given to us in a description of you. We are considered to be in the eyes of God, a holy priesthood. And you'll notice in verse number nine, He refers to us as a royal priesthood. And when you get, look over in 1 Peter chapter number 1, so we need to lay some groundwork so that you'll receive this into your heart and understand that we are rightly dividing the word of God. I have met a few brethren who believe that some of these epistles toward the back, Hebrews, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, and James belong only to the Jewish brethren. I don't know where they got some of that. And I understand the book of Hebrews, of course, was written to help those Jews who had been scattered 
because of their faith in Christ, and they were making a transition. But don't cut your Bible up so much to where that you can't receive what God has to say. Now, when you read 1 Peter, you'll notice who he addresses this book to. The Bible says in chapter 1, verse number 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and he says to the strangers. He doesn't refer to the Jewish brethren as strangers. He says to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And you'll notice in verse number 18, he is referring to those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now I qualify under that category. I am redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. Verse 18. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. That's me. I qualify for who he is speaking to here uh, in this letter. And if that doesn't convince you, how about verse 23? He said, being born again. Are you born again? The Bible says being born again, not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So it's pretty clear he is speaking to us as well as to the Jewish brethren, those who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, those who have been born again by the Spirit of God through the word of God. That's who he's speaking to. However, we need to address something here that has very much Jewish implications. And it means that as a Gentile, certainly we have read much of the Old Testament. We understand that God manifested Himself very much through the nation of Israel. Jesus said salvation is of the Jews. And so when you think about this thing called priest or the priesthood, let's go all the way back to the days of the book of Genesis. The Levitical priesthood under the law of Moses was not the first time that the word priest is mentioned or where priests are mentioned. You'll find that the patriarchs were considered, especially the oldest, the father of those families or those tribes, were considered and acted as priests. Now priests were considered to be somewhat of a mediator between God and man. Uh, someone who would maybe make judgment calls for the family or who would be the one who offered up the sacrifices to God. For example, you have the picture of Job who as a father each day or weekly he would go out and offer up a sacrifice to God and he would pray to God for his sons and his daughters because he knew it was possible that in their hearts they had cursed God and he wanted to intercede for them. And when the Lord had taken his family and he was in great sorrow, the Bible says he then also went out 
and offered up a sacrifice to God and worshipped the Lord. And there you see him in that priestly mode, acting as a mediator and offering up sacrifices and giving counsel and interceding. Even the pagans in the Old Testament had their own priesthood and their priest. Do you remember um, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, was called the priest of Midian. The priest of Midian. And when you look at Noah offering up these sacrifices, when you look at Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, this was before the Mosaic Law, before God established what we call the Levitical priesthood. These men were acting as priests for their families. And so when you eventually get to Moses, and the law was given for governing, governing the nation, and for worship, you'll find that God limited the priesthood to Aaron's sons or to the tribe of Levi. Now when God split up the twelve tribes of Israel, He gave each one of them in the land of Canaan a particular piece of land. And they had their borders. And that's where those tribes dwelt and that's where they lived. But the only one that didn't have that was the tribe of Levi. And He said, the Lord will be your inheritance. They were different. Uh, they were sanctified and set apart. And they were to take care of business around the house of the Lord. They were to be involved in continual activity of the worship of God and the mediation and the counseling and giving out the word of the Lord. That was their responsibility. Now, there's some similarities here for what we're going to see in the New Testament. You had to be born into this. To be a priest under the Levitical system, you had to be born into this. It wasn't something that one day you showed up and said, hey, I want to be a part of this. It wasn't like that. You had to be born into it in order to be able to qualify for this. You might have been sincere, but you didn't qualify for it. You remember when David was bringing the ark of God back and... When the oxen stumbled and there was a man who was sincerely trying to keep that ark from falling over and he was slain, he was killed immediately. David found out that he had made a mistake by not doing exactly what God said do, that only the priest, the Levitical priest, the Levites were allowed to carry that ark and they were to carry it above their head. God was very particular when it came to the roles of these priests and their responsibility. So keep that in mind when we start talking about the New Testament priest. We're going to talk about the New Testament priest and how he is involved in the worship of God. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. They had to be born into this. And it manifested the wisdom of God to all the other nations and glorified God how they handled things. So there were certain expectations and responsibilities that were given to this very special sanctified group. Their very purpose in life was to attend to the things of God. Their consecration, their duties, and even their dress. They were but a shadow, however, of the coming high priest and the body of Christ, which would be filled with priests. And everyone would become a priest. Did you know Revelation chapter 1 verse 6, the Bible says God calls us kings and priests of God? 
You say, why is this important? Well, it is important. One of the, one of the distinctives of Baptist doctrine and Bible doctrine is the priesthood of the believer. And it eliminates all the other hierarchy that goes on in our day. When John was writing the book of Revelation, he was already concerned about what was called the Nicolaitan doctrine that was infiltrating the church. This is where that they would separate men again and have what they would refer to as the clergy. And over here were the laity. Over here were the men who would once again become priests. And women and children and other men were a little bit less than them. And this is something that God had eliminated when Jesus died on the cross. And when Jesus paid all the price of our sins, and God raised him from the dead, and now he is our high priest. In the Old Testament, the high priest could die. Someone had to replace him. But in our time, there is a high priest who never dies. And he is faithful. And the Bible makes it very clear that God wants us to become now priests. All right? Now, you've got to think about the similarities of this. In order for you to qualify to be a priest today, you have to be born into this. <laughs> you have to be born again. And if you are born again by the blood of Jesus Christ and the Word of God and the Spirit of God, you are today considered to be a New Testament priest. And now there's only one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. And there is only one high priest that you need to go to to confess your sins to, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. They were born into this. They were chosen to do this. They were considered to be royalty, and they were considered to be holy. I'm talking about you. You say, well, I don't feel like royalty. I didn't ask you what you felt like this morning. You say, well, I don't feel holy. I didn't ask you that either. But he says, you are. Notice in chapter 2, verse number 5. Now he says, you are lively stones, are built up to a spiritual house. You notice he uses the word spiritual twice in one verse here, the word spiritual. The word spiritual. He's eliminated the physical areas in which priests would bring a physical sacrifice. They would bring a, and go to a physical place to do it. But rather instead, he said, now that has changed. When Jesus hung on the cross, you remember something that took place in the temple while he was on the cross? You remember that the veil was rent from top to the bottom? Because there was now going to be a new and a living way. And now God has a mighty nation and a mighty army and a mighty group of people called the people of God who are now qualified to be his priest. One of the responsibilities of the priest was to offer up sacrifices. That's what we want to talk about. We want to talk about, look in chapter 2 and verse number 5. The Bible says, You also are lively stones or built up a spiritual house and a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Now, I know of at least four sacrifices that you, need to, that you and I are responsible to offer up to Him. These are spiritual sacrifices to God. 
you are capable of doing this. You are responsible for doing this. And in doing so, you are also becoming what they were back in the Old Testament. They were to be a light in a pagan, idolatrous, ungodly society. If we as the people of God offer up these four sacrifices, we also will become light in a very dark world. And people will recognize that we are peculiar. The Bible says we're born into this. We're chosen to do this. We are royal. We are holy. We are peculiar. And we are with priestly responsibilities to honor our God in an ungodly society. And he also mentioned that we're to show forth his praises. That's not referring to the fact of just simply praising God. But when you show forth his praises, you're talking about his, some of his attributes. And uh, some of his character and, 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 and what he truly is. It's not just raising hands and saying, I praise the Lord. No. It is showing forth the praises of God and some of his blessings and, and who he really is to an ungodly world. Now, I want you to turn with me to a few places real quick. Let's turn with me to Romans chapter number 12. And I'm going to ask you, have you been busy as a priest? Romans chapter number 12. Young folks, I pray that you'll listen to this carefully. If you're born again, God wants us to understand these truths. Romans chapter 12, one of the things, So let us search the scriptures and carefully examine our duties and the sacrifices that God is looking for. Let me mention just a few of them this morning. And I pray that the Lord will illuminate your heart, your heart and your mind toward this subject. Chapter 12, verse number 1. The Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a what? A living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, those sacrifices were slain and offered once. They were not living sacrifices. They became dead sacrifices. You agree? All right. So the Lord says here, I want you to present your body. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So as, a, so as a priest, it is reasonable service for you each day to offer up your body as a living sacrifice unto God, understanding this. Turn in your Bibles quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now this is important. Please follow along with me in your Bibles, all right? You normally do. And I appreciate you doing that. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look at verse 16 and verse number 17. Remember, we read in 1 Peter 2 that we are being built into a spiritual house. We're to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Look in chapter 3, verse number 16. Understand something now, your body, look in verse 16, know you not that ye are the temple of God. Chapter 3, verse 16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God. Where do priests usually work? In the temple, right? Well, now you are the temple of God. And we are the temple of God collectively. He said, know ye not that you're the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Don't you know that? Because you are sons of God, He has sent the Spirit of God into your heart. Verse 17. If any man defile the temple of God... Him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Your body 
is God's temple. Pretty plain. Look in chapter 6, verse 19, verse number 20. (coughs) Chapter 6, verse 19, and verse number 20. Someone came by the church in Roman Forest, the Baptist church there on Roman Forest Boulevard, and did some, painted some graffiti all over their sign and part of their building, I think. And people were very upset, and rightfully so, we would be too if they did it to ours. But it's amazing to me how upset we get over plastic and brick. But we don't seem to be concerned about what we're doing to the real temple of God, which is our bodies. What are you putting into it? What are you doing with it? I think many of you would be upset if you drove by here on Saturday night and we had turned this into a dance hall. But what are you doing with your temple? What are you doing with your body? Do you understand? All right. And he says here, he says in chapter 6, the Bible says here in verse number uh, 19 and 20. He said, what know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. You are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your what? In your body and in your spirit, which are God. Now, I don't even know how you would argue with that. That's pretty black and white. God bought you. He saved you. Your body belongs to Him. And He wants you to offer that up as a priestly, as a sacrifice, as a priest in priestly service to Him. Lord, here I am. Lord, here I am. Send me. Lord, here I am. Use me. Lord, use me today. Use my hands. Use me, dear God, to be a blessing today. And that's all He's asking you to do each morning. You should get up in the morning and say, Lord, here I am. I'm yours. Help me to be a good servant. Help me to be a good wife. Help me to be a good father. Help me to be a good husband. Help me to be a good employer. Lord, help me to honor you today with my body, with what I do with my body. May I glorify you. All right, look quickly in Hebrews 13. We don't, we'll look at a few more places. And if y'all be good, I'll let you out early today. Amen. If I see you're listening well, look in Hebrews 13. This is very important. Our, our bodies, number one, God wants us to offer them up to Him on a regular and a daily basis. All right? And then you'll notice something else. In Hebrews 13, here again, He is referring to our sacrifices. The Bible says in verse number 14, For we have here no continuing city, but we seek one to come. I am. I'm looking for a heavenly city. Verse 15, By Him, talking about Jesus, Therefore, let us, talking about the priests, us, the priestly group, the believers, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. How? Continually. Perpetually. Consistently. He says that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. God's will for me as a priest is to offer up thanksgiving to Him on a regular, consistent basis. And the Bible says these are sacrifices that are acceptable. These are spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. All right, then look at verse 16. He says, but to do good 
and to communicate, forget not. For with such, what's that next word? Sacrifices. God is well pleased. So, as a priest, my function as a priest today is for me to have an attitude of gratitude. To be different in a, in a complaining, murmuring, entitlement mentality society. God would have me to be thankful from my heart for His blessings upon my life. How good He has been to me. In spite of even sometimes my infirmities. Or maybe some bad circumstances that I might be going through. He is worthy. I need to find those places where I can be thankful. But also he mentions not only my, our thanks, but our, our treasures, our, our deeds. He says, but to do good. Isn't that amazing? That when you do good, you're actually offering up a sacrifice unto God that is pleasing to Him. Do you realize that you can worship the Lord? And listen, these, these sacrifices, these were acts of worship. When we talk about worship, sometimes we kind of zero in on when the music starts and somebody becomes emotional, that that's worship. That's only one of the manifestations of worship. Only one. But when a person offers a sacrifice up to God, it was considered to be an act of worship to the Lord. And so when you offer up your body to the Lord in the morning, you are actually doing an act of worship to the Lord. And when you... Give thanks to God. Even when you bow your head over your meal today. And I know that you're all going somewhere to eat lunch. Home, probably. But somewhere you will be around others. Do you realize that it pleases God when you bow your head? And you thank Him for His provisions for another meal, for another day, for another week. That it pleases God. And then is it a sacrifice that is acceptable unto the Lord. Try not to rush through it. Try not to... I'm not asking you to pray for 10 minutes before you eat. But I am saying, be thankful. Be sincere. For your family being around you. For the provisions He's given you. Offer up that sacrifice to God. And if you're in a restaurant... Do it anyway. Praise the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Thank God for your food. Don't be ashamed of Him. And by the way, if you're going to do that and the waiter notices that you're doing that, don't be complaining to her about what she didn't do or did do and then leave her two cent tip. And especially if you're going to leave a church track from East River. You know, don't just put a dollar in it. Amen? Amen, Brother Roger. And so the Bible says in verse 16, but to do good. Jesus went about doing good. Jesus looked for opportunities to do good. You and I need to be aware of the opportunities that God gives us to do good to others. Jesus was harmless. You should not be harming and hurting other people. You should be like Jesus and do good and be harmless. To do good and to communicate, forget not. And he says for, when he talks about communicate, he's not talking about texting. He's not talking about phone calls. 
He's talking about giving. He's talking about giving of your treasures. And God is very pleased with that. Now let's confirm that, okay? Look over in chapter 6 and verse number 10. You'll notice something that the Lord says here. Bear with me for a few more minutes, all right? Look in chapter 6 and verse number 10. Look at this. Boy, God looks down and He's looking for sacrifices to be offered to Him continually. <coughs> and that's one thing about it, the tabernacle and the temple. It was a continual thing. They kept the light going. They kept the lights on. They kept the sacrifices going. They kept the incense burning. Chapter 6, verse 10 says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. That's your good deeds which you have showed toward His name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And when you do well and when you give, God promises you, I will not forget that. I won't do that. Now, just a few more places. Turn with me to the book of Philippians real quick. Let me show you this thing about sacrifices to God. Philippians, please, chapter number 4. You've heard this many times over the years if you've attended here, but let's, let's be patient. And let's look at this again this morning. In the book of Philippians, Paul is referring again here now to the churches that were responding to his missionary endeavors. And he is letting us know that when we invest in missions or giving or helping, whether it be a missionary or whether it be a neighbor, the Bible says in verse number 17, not because I desire a gift, But I desire fruit that may abound to your account. He was confident that your giving would add fruit to your account. He was confident that that sacrifice would be accepted. And he said in verse 18, But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. Now notice how he describes our giving. He said an odor of a sweet smell. That is a term used around priestly duties. He said a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. These again are not based upon my feelings, but upon the faith that I have in God that when I give and honor Him with the first fruits of my blessings and when I take extra money and give it to be a blessing to others. I know that as a priest I'm offering up a sacrifice that is acceptable unto God. Do you understand? God wants that. He is pleased with that. Now quickly turn. We've got two more, pla- two more places to look at. I want you to look in 1 Timothy chapter number 2. Our bodies, our giving and doing good are priestly functions that God is looking for in an ungodly society. 1 Timothy chapter 2, I want you to look with me in verse number 1. I want to talk to you now about your praying and your intercessions. Would you agree? And listen, sometimes folks think that they have to go to a, a guy who is in a robe somewhere or hiding in a box somewhere to talk to him about praying for them, interceding for them, that they have a secret connection and a more powerful connection with God. But I want to say to you, that is not true. If I have sinned, I have a high priest that I can go directly to. And I can confess my sins unto him. 
And he is my advocate will be faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That doesn't mean that I might not need to confess to someone that I've harmed or done wrong to. But it doesn't mean that I have to go somewhere to a place that's made of brick and stone and there's somebody in there that calls himself father and dresses like mother to confess my sins to. Do you understand? And when Jesus said, don't, don't do that, don't call those guys father. He said, you got one father who is in heaven. And he's referring, you say, well, that means I can't call my dad father. No, don't, don't be ignorant here. He's referring to religious people who are, who, are, who are presumptuously placing themselves in dominion over your faith. Who have no place and no right to do so. None whatsoever. It doesn't matter how pretty the robes are. God is not interested in that robe. He's interested in that heart. And you can talk to God yourself. You can. And I want you to look in chapter 2, verse number 1. But don't just talk to God for yourself. Talk to God for others. You're a priest. You can intercede for me. You can pray for me. We can pray for each other. Look in chapter 2, verse 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications... Prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God One mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. What a wonderful verse that is. Look down in verse number 10, and let's liken this now unto our, uh, not verse number 10, I'm sorry. Uh, What am I looking for? Verse 8. He said, I will therefore that men pray everywhere. So it's not limited to a location. It's not limited to a temple. You're the temple. It's not limited to a clergyman. You are a priest. He says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere. But look at this. Lifting up holy hands without wrath. That has to do with your anger, your resentment, your grudges, the things that are in your heart. You must let these things go. By the grace of God, you can. And he says, without wrath and doubting. What I'm telling you today is an act of faith. What I'm asking you to do is to offer up. Listen, by the way, if we lived back in the Old Testament and we had sinned against God, we'd have to take one of our precious lambs that we had raised and we'd have to take it and carry it down to the priest. And he would, we'd, by faith, we were asking him to take the life. And I would have to put my hand on that lamb and confess my sin. And, and recognize that my sin costs something. That my, my sin costs innocent blood. And it would be painful. It would encourage me not to repeat that sin. That's what they did. But here now we're doing it by faith. And we're doing a spiritual, a spiritual sacrifice. This thing about lifting up of the hands. You know what David said about that? He said, my, he said Lord... Let my prayer, and we're talking about prayer here. 
your praying, your interceding, your supplications. These are acceptable sacrifices unto God. This is incense that is pleasing to Him. He said, let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense. And he said, in the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Do you understand? Because what you're doing is you are acknowledging that God is superior to you, that you are in submission to Him, and that He is worthy of your praise. And when he said lifting up holy hands, I think he would like for those hands to be making an honest living and to have not hurt someone in that day and that you have done good the best you know how with those hands. All right? And so in this passage, he says, I want you to pray, then I want you to pray everywhere, and I want you to lift up holy hands without wrath. Get that anger, that resentment under control. Confess it to God and come before me by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen. Amen. All right, one more place, one more sacrifice. Turn with me to Psalm 51, and then we'll pray and go to the house. Look in Psalm 51, please. These are sacrifices that you as a high, that as, I almost said as a high priest, you're not a high priest. You are a priest though, but you're not a high priest. We have one. In Psalm 51, look at this. Boy, this is precious here. One of the things that God loves and receives as a great sacrifice is our humility and our contrition. True humility, true contrition, a broken heart, and a contrite spirit are very pleasing to God. That's something you cannot just manufacture up. You can't just get up in the morning and start weeping with a contrite spirit. But you can humble yourself. But there will be moments. There will be times when your heart is heavy. And when you are contrite and you are broken. And when this happens... It becomes a very great sacrifice in the eyes of God. Look in Psalm 51, please. Now, I don't know what may bring you to this point. But when something in life brings you to this point and you are in despair, be encouraged that God is pleased. When you come to Him and you cast your care upon Him and you pull your heart out to Him, He is very pleased with that offering. Look what he says in Psalm 51. Look in verse number 15. He says, O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Please believe your Bible. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. See, David understood the heart of God. Verse 17. He said the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not 
despise. And there will be moments and times in your life that where that you are broken and you are contrite and you are humbled, the best thing you can do is turn to God and pour your heart out to God and realize that He is receiving that as a great sacrifice to Him. Instead of getting bitter and angry and turning away from the things of God because maybe someone has not done you right, Instead, he would ask that he would drive you to him, not away from him. Because something has happened. Maybe in David's situation here, it was a personal failure. He never dreamed he would wind up in a situation where that he would kill one of his very best warriors. In a subtle manner, Uriah was put to death by the hand of David under his authority to protect an adulterous affair that he never dreamed he would partake in. But what we were looking at there is personal moral failure. And David is absolutely crushed by his failure. But this is not the only kind of failure. But there are other things that happen to us, even done by other people or someone in our lives that we love have, have fallen or failed and it has crushed us. Maybe your expectations have hit the wall. Now you can get, according to Hebrews 12, you can get angry and bitter or you can humble yourself and grow in grace and get better. Amen. God will supply the grace. Men can wound us Men and women can hurt us deeply. And whenever that happens, I encourage you, as a priest, take it to God, offer it up as a sacrifice. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Let's stand together, please. Cindy, would you come for just a moment? I'm going to ask you, how have you been doing on your priestly duties? You are a royal priesthood. You have been born into this. You've been chosen to do this. Your body, your giving, your praying, your humility, you're pouring your heart out to God when you're hurting. Father in heaven, may you be pleased today with our response in Jesus' name. Amen. With our heads bowed, you obey the Holy Ghost if He's spoken to your heart this morning, please.